Wait, what did Trump's lawyer argue that he could assassinate? That in, in a response to one of the judges that, yes, a president could assassinate a political opponent and could not be prosecuted in courts of law unless he had been impeached and convicted in the Senate. Only then could he be prosecuted in the regular world. Hey, it's the Balance of Power Roundtable. This is a fascinating discussion you are parachuting into. I'm Matt Robeson with my panel of former Democratic two-term U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and conservative analyst, commentator, and political consultant Alicia Preston. Alicia, you actually tuned in to the hearing happening in D.C. Well, this morning, this will come out tomorrow. So there will be a lot of headlines about this as people encounter this. And yes, what you just said is apparently the argument. What else stood out to you from this hearing about whether Donald Trump enjoys absolute and complete immunity from absolutely everything? It was absolutely fascinating to listen to. I've never listened to this kind of hearing, and I was intrigued by it. Maybe that makes me a dork. But the judges really dug in on a uh, president can use SEAL Team 6 to assassinate someone, and that's okay. They deserve presidential immunity. And then this whole back and forth between what happened with Nixon versus Fitzgerald. And I found, as a non-attorney, let me know, that the Trump lawyer was all over the place. That as he made one argument, he killed another argument. And the federal judges kept pointing it out. I missed about 60% of the Jack Smith team. It wasn't Jack Smith. It was a guy named Pierce, I think. But they drilled into him, too. I mean, the panel was interesting. They were really trying to get to the nuts and bolts of this and the repercussions of whatever their decision is. As a layman looking on, I don't think Trump has a prayer of winning this, to be perfectly honest. Paul, former prosecutor, legal analyst for us, I feel like this kind of brings up the My Cousin Vinny defense, which is everything that guy just said is bullshit. Is there any aspect of this that isn't bullshit? Like, is there any way that the court is going to buy this? What makes it so ridiculous is, let's go back. We had an American revolution. And what was it about? It was about we don't like the king who can't be held to account for anything to rule over us. Democracy is the theory that the American people know what they want and they deserve to get it good and hard. And what you're saying is that the original concept of American democracy was no one is above the law, King of England, get out of our face. This is why we have the Second Amendment is to keep the King of England out of your face, okay? So and now Donald Trump is arguing that's all cute. Is there a legal justification for what he's arguing? In, in terms of the general concept of immunity, first of all, uh, immunity from prosecution uh, can attach to people when they are doing certain things in their official capacity, right? So it's designed to allow people who are administrators or government officials or others to do their jobs in when they're acting in good faith in the course of their ordinary duties to do their jobs without worrying about being prosecuted or persecuted because they're doing what they're doing in their official capacities. When they go outside their official capacities, even when they're in office, if they're doing things outside their official capacities, they're simply not immune. If you're the governor of New Hampshire, and you decide to have somebody 
assassinated, that's generally not within your official duties. It's not in your job description. So it's outside your official duties. You're not immune for the criminal conduct that's outside your official official capacity. Trump wants, wants it always, as always. And he wants to say the president is a divine entity. I, at least I, Trump as president, was a divine entity. And therefore, anything I do while I was elected president, anything, i.e. shooting somebody dead on Fifth Avenue, as he referred to at one point, is I'm immune from because I'm president. And so that everything I do is in my official capacity because I'm president. He's just wrong. His lawyers are wrong. There's not a leg to stand on. This argument is going nowhere. Interesting. I want to talk about the politics aspect of this for a second. There's, Alicia, you are in the maybe unique position among our listeners that you actually receive Donald Trump emails. Uh, which you do for strategic and business reasons, not because you're a fangirl, although maybe a little nope, bit. Nope, uh, nope, no, nope, you sure? Nope, nope, no? nope, nope, nope. You don't find something a little compelling? I like to stay in the cray-cray loop, so I yeah. keep on the email lists. So Trump put out this email yesterday, and it was just, it was a, sort of a fascinating way that our politics has gotten inverted. It was just a window into it, because you would think that the fact that here he is fighting for literally his freedom in the course of this trial, which is going to determine, this immunity determination is going to determine, will he face trial and be at risk of going to prison this year? This is what it all kind of boils down to. And so you would think that, highlighting the fact that he's been indicted on 91 felony counts would not be a good thing. When I got started in politics a long time ago, this would not have been considered a good thing. Donald Trump has sort of figured out a way to hack his way into weaponizing it to his benefit by claiming a martyrdom that he would be campaigning in Iowa, but he's gotten dragged to, to DC to take part in this trial. That is not true. That is a, a freaking lie. He is under no compulsion to be there. He most defendants in cases like this are not there for these kinds of oral arguments. It's, it, it's a total falsehood. So why is he doing it? Because he wants all of the focus to be on this because it sucks all of the media oxygen out for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis and anyone else. He just cares about getting the attention. The point is that nowadays it's better to be trending and to be hated in terms of you know, your political benefit than to be loved and quiet about it on social media. And that's, it's just, it's a fascinating turn and a really bad one over the last couple of decades. Oh, he's brilliant. I mean, come on, he's a phenomenon. Let's face it. There's nobody, I mean, you talk about a sun god, somebody right. who attracts all the rays of the light to himself. Yeah. That's the Donald. And it's really sick. But you know, I mean, that's where we are. But the reality is what disturbs me more than what he says, because we know he's a liar. He is one. He makes things up. What disturbs me is his sycophants that are all over X or Twitter, whatever it's called now, and they're believing it. It's this willful ignorance. I mean, the real information is out there. 
they don't not only look for it, they don't see it when it's in their face. When everyone's correcting the record saying he does not have to be in that courtroom, they're out there going, see, this is election interference. Instead of being on the campaign trail, he's in D.C. And they believe it. And I don't think they're just perpetuating it. I think some are. I think some of them truly believe whatever comes out of that man's mouth. I, in a way, feel the same way about Trump's sycophants that I do in the allegory of the frog and the scorpion. The scorpion gets a ride over across the river on the frog's back, bites the frog. They both start drowning. And as they go beneath the surface of the water, the frog says, why did you do that? You're killing us both. And the scorpion says, I can't help it. It's in my nature. So it's interesting that you bring that up, Alicia, because case in point from over the weekend, Elise Stefanik appears on Meet the Press, hosted by Kristen Welker. And am I shocked? Am I shocked that Donald Trump over the weekend called the January 6th insurrectionists who attacked the Capitol chanting, hang Mike Pence, and injured 150 police officers? Am I shocked that Donald Trump called them hostages? I am not shocked by that. Now, am I shocked that Elise Stefanik the next morning, I defy Elise Stefanik to say a sentence out loud while Donald Trump drinks a cup of water. Go ahead, try it, you sock puppet. Am I shocked that Elise Stefanik used the exact same language on Meet the Press and called the January 6th insurrectionists hostages? No, I'm not shocked about this. I did a video about it on the Blue Amp channel that is coming out very shortly, and I urge people to go check it out for my full feelings on the matter. What I find shocking, though, is that Kristen Welker, the host of Meet the Press, sat there nodding along like a willing stenographer as Elise Stefanik calls the January 6th insurrectionists hostages. Remember, we last saw Elise Stefanik doing victory laps because of her supposed takedown of university presence. By the way, since our last show, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, resigned. That's long in the news now. We just happened to record our last show literally right before that happened. So we kind of missed it. But Elise Stefanik was calling herself responsible, the mother of these resignations, because she got to demagogue, oh, you dirty anti-Semites, you won't stand up to anti-Semitism, aha. And here she is, while we have hundreds of Jews who are being held hostage by violent terrorists who are targeted because they're Jews. And here's Elise Stefanik degrading and demeaning their experience by calling the January 6th insurrectionists hostages. And am I shocked by that? No, I am shocked by Kristen Welker, who sat there and nodded through this entire thing. If I'm that not... is a failure of the media. And so to your point, Alicia, you know, is Trump, you know, he's a scorpion. It's in his nature. And Elise Stefanik, Mike Johnson, these other incredibly insane morons, when they bleat out four legs good, two legs bad, oh, hail, what'd you call him, Paul, son, God, Trump? When they repeat his talking points, drone-like? Am I shocked? No. But what about the mainstream media who has a job to do here and not just simply take notes and say, is this what you said? Did I allow you a platform to, to state your insane views? Kristen Welker should be fired, okay? Kristen Welker 
host of Meet the Press. You are the host of perhaps the most important news program on earth. And if you sit there through that lie, through that historical revisionism, through that blatant falsehood and propaganda, you sit there and you nod and you don't push back, you should be fired. Kristen Welker, you should be fired. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. It's also no different than what happened with Trump and Trump sycophants and Trumpism and everything he espoused around his presidential campaigns. It was a the media took a hands off, gloves off approach to Donald Trump and everything he stood for. And instead of doing their job, which is to hold accountable the crazies like Trump and Elise Stefanik and all those other Republicans, instead of doing their job, they allow them a platform to spew vile hatred and lies. And that's unfortunate. It's more than unfortunate. It's wrong. And the lamestream media could start doing their jobs by holding people accountable to truth and facts and calling them on the bullshit that they spew on television, on radio and everywhere else. And And they better start. And the point is what you were saying a moment ago, sarcastically, was you were highlighting gaslighting. When Sarah Palin invented her incredibly not very clever term, lamestream media, when she put that complaint out there, she was gaslighting. Okay, what she was saying was anything that criticizes me and my side is illegitimate. It's the media falling down on their job, whereas the truth is the opposite. It is the media's job to hold politicians accountable for the truth and not to platform insane people. You have RFK Jr. going around getting platformed and spreading anti-vax conspiracy theories. He should not be platformed. And yes, I'll say a final thing on this. Right after January 6th, major news programs deplatformed election deniers and insurrectionists. Major companies said that they would, would withhold PAC contributions from the 107 Republicans who voted to overturn the election. And that profile and courage lasted for about five minutes, or more accurately, until the next fundraising quarter, when quietly they started supporting all these guys again. And quietly the news programs let all of these lie mongers on again. The only way that we can hold the media accountable is to stop watching their programs. Because if the advertisers, why did Tucker Carlson get booted off of Fox News? Because of legal liability and because advertisers were beginning to flee. These are companies. These are media companies. They have a bottom line. They have shareholders. And they have to be responsive to that. The only way we're going to get the media to fucking behave is if we start voting with our dollars. And so I think we should boycott NBC. We should boycott Meet the Press. And Kristen Welker should be fucking fired. All right, I'm going to weigh in here. And I totally disagree with you, Matt. The media fails on a regular basis to do what I would consider as a former member of the media myself, their job. 
They don't ask the right questions. They want uh, click-throughs, so they allow Trump to say his crazy stuff and Stefanik to say her stuff, and they allow AOC to say her crazy stuff and Tlaib hers, and they do it without much pushback. And they do it because they want eyeballs on those videos online, which is where a lot of the money is streaming in from these days. I am not any more than I was when Trump did it or anyone else on the right. I am not a fan of saying, let's call for a boycott. Let's fire this reporter or this anchor or this host because they didn't ask the questions I wanted. They didn't do what I expected of them. I think we just changed the channel. I'm not participating in what was very Trumpet. Of If you call into question or don't ask the right questions or do something he didn't like, it's fake news, it's not real news. Guess what, guys? We want the media. We need the media. We're not going to know half the things going on in there. We can disagree with them. We can say we don't like them. We need them. They are called the fourth estate for a reason. They are our check and balance on government. And sometimes they fail to properly do that, which would be not pushing on the term hostages. I agree with you. But when they fail to do that, it's still reported everywhere. Had that interview not taken place, we wouldn't know her position. So I disagree with this all out call. It is Paul may have been being sarcastic, but I was thinking the same thing in a not sarcastic way. This call today is no different than what the Trump people and Trump sycophants did when he was president and after he was president when people were critical of him. We need the media. We want the media. We can complain about them, but we need to stop putting them in a position of being fired and of being canceled if they don't do exactly what whomever in the public is calling for this narrative right now tells them to do. I think we're actually saying the same thing. Change the channel. Do not watch Meet the Press. Hurt their ratings because they failed. I mean, this is you used to be a journalist. This is journalism 101. When your interview subject, and by the way, Mike Wallace would never have stood for this. Leslie Stahl would never have stood for this. Laura Logan, before she went absolutely batshit oh, crazy. Cake. She is a, she is. But before she went absolutely crazy, she would not have stood for this. An interview subject calling the January 6th insurrectionists hostages and nodding along with it. That is such a basic failure that I'm just suggesting to people, boycott them. Vote with your dollars. Vote with your feet. Watch ABC. George Stephanopoulos has a good thing going. Watch CNN. I don't care. You know, like... We're not... Wait a second. We're... You guys are, you guys totally agree. And there's not even an argument about it. But you're we're saying trying to make this interesting for I'm the not listeners. Calling for a boycott. Boycott. I'm not we... calling for a boycott. And I'm well, not demanding someone get fired because yeah, she didn't look, respond the way I would have. Then look, if you don't take Dad, any, I, if you don't take any action when things are go sideways, if nobody takes any action, then things continue to go sideways until somebody does something, and then it takes it could take a lot too long for things to change. So Meet the Press used to be the gold standard, and now if they're turning into infotainment number two. Right. If, if they're just like everybody else's infotainment and they're not doing their job, then criticism needs to be registered. And the only way to hurt people is in their pocketbook. So what Matt is saying is not he's not saying get rid of all media. He's not and I'm saying, saying I don't want to hurt people. He's well, but, yeah, got, but, you but where you where I think I draw a distinction, Alicia, is I'm not objecting to Kristen Welker because she didn't ask the question the way I would have asked it. I'm objecting because she had a fundamental failure, journalism 101. It's not about how she phrased the question. It's not about whether she shares my politics. I have no idea what her personal politics are. And if she's any kind of a good journalist, she probably keeps that very quiet. 
I don't really care. She could be a Republican. I don't really care. What I care about is, are you platforming lies? Are you platforming this incredible and dangerous distortion that the January 6th insurrectionists are somehow heroes? That these people who violently assaulted and injured police officers are hostages and equating them with actual hostages. There are 57 Americans being held hostage around the world today. And for her to allow, for that program to allow Elise Stefanik to put out this kind of lie and distortion that is affecting Americans' views. Let me just share some polling with you. Half of polling respondents, according to a Washington Post poll, now think that the January 6th attackers were violent. Now that's good because it's only down 4% from two years ago, but it's still only half. Only half of respondents think that the armed insurrectionists were violent. This is after over a thousand people have been convicted. 53% of Americans still blame Donald Trump for the attack, but that's down seven points, largely driven by perception changes from Republicans. And so what you're seeing across the board, no matter how polling organizations ask the question, is more and more Americans, disproportionately Republicans, believing that these were, this was a normal tourist visit, right? A they're lovely, beginning to lovely, whitewash this. Lovely tourist visit. And they're pushing further, they're pushing further to distort this by now claiming that this was a put-up job a third of Republicans in polling believe that this was an FBI put-up job. They believe this conspiracy theory. How does that happen? It happens because mainstream media figures like Kristen Welker and the producers at Meet the Press allow lies and distortions. They should never have aired that interview. It well, let me should ask not you have this. gone up on the air. Let me ask you this. I don't remember, and we talk every week, the outrage, and we discussed this so we know it existed, the outrage from you and the calls to boycott CNN, when within hours they became Palestinian sympathizers, Hamas sympathizers, they changed the narrative. They changed the term to the war in Gaza or the war on Gaza very quickly once Israel retaliated. That to me is far more egregious than a host not asking or mentioning the proper follow-up question. They ah. aired for days people calling Israelis the terrorists. Days they had interviews with people where they had Hamas sympathizers on CNN on rotation, talking about how it's Israel that's to blame. They let that go. That's a whole lot more egregious in programming to me than Delker not doing a proper follow-up question. And I don't recall you ask asking for the boycott of CNN. Ah, allow me to retort, my friend. I refer you to the Newsweek opinion article authored by this incredibly dashing rogue, Matt Robeson, called The New York Times Just Destroyed Its Credibility and Much More, an opinion piece uh, dated October 19th and posted at 7.04 p.m. in which I took the New York Times to task and CNN for their egregious reporting, their willing stenography, to use my own term again, for Hamas, a terrorist organization, when they headlined Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, comma, Palestinians say. And I'm just scrolling down, and I believe that I suggested in there that people should vote with their feet and not 
read those news organizations. I agree with myself. Well, you were and on you. the show and we discussed this and we all agreed it was bad. And you didn't have the outrage you have right now. You weren't saying boycott them. You weren't saying these people should be fired. I think, I think I'm it, just um, saying I'm, you're I think misplacing your level thing. of rage and no, it's just like Trumper. I disagree. I think that this is exactly the same thing. Boycott, no longer spend your money on them. I think it's, I think that's the same thing, right? It's a personal thing. It's your person. Look, what do you control as an American consumer? You control where your dollars go. My son just asked me the other day, hey, can we go to Chick-fil-A? Which goes to show that advertising works. He's never eaten a Chick-fil-A, but oh, he should. Has. It's the most delicious chicken I've ever had in my life. And I'm now you're ruining my life, Alicia. Because it's Nazi wanna... chicken. Yeah, it's because these, I mean, the owners hold views that I do not agree with. And therefore, I'm just not going to spend my dollars in that business. That's my right as an American. It's something it is your that... right. But let me explain this to you. And I mean this sincerely. It is a foolish self-flogging to deny yourself that which is Chick-fil-A. <laughs> that chicken? It is. I, and I'm not even kidding. It is the best chicken like... ever eaten. The closest one's 40 minutes away. And about once every two weeks, I drive the 40 minutes to get my Chick-fil-A oh my with the special Chick-fil-A sauce. It is life-changing. So you have every right, but I, I implore you to what give you're it a saying world, is, you're just flogging yourself. What you're saying is yourself. eat the press if you must. Cancel your subscription to the New York Times if you must, although it's hard for me to get away from that New York Times crossword, I'll admit. I do the Sunday crossword. I do them all. I do them all. While eating Chick-fil-A. While eating no, Chick-fil-A. But, but what you're saying is, no, you should. Coors beer. I don't drink listen, beer. Listen, we have under our constitution for at least the next year until Donald Trump terminates it, we have the right to vote and we have the right to vote with our dollars and our feet. And we have the right to assemble and organize and convince other people, hey, do the same thing. These are my views. Maybe you would like to share well, them. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. While like that is true that we have that right, I will question the judgment of anyone who refuses to eat at Chick-fil-A for any reason whatsoever. That is fair enough. Hey, we had a few odds and ends that we wanted to work into this show. And we have decided, you know how they do that thing on Saturday Night Live on Weekend Update where Colin Jost and Michael Che write jokes for each other? but they won't tell them in advance what they are and they're usually absolutely horrible alicia and i have a murder suicide pact here where we both have news items that we'd like to share and we want to get the organic surprise from the other one when we read them off alicia i'd invite you to go first you promised me and our listeners a shocking earth-shattering endorsement for your girl, Nikki Haley, with whom you posed on social media, Mazel Tov. I got to meet her. She's quite lovely, actually. I'm sure she is. She's. She... We had a lovely little chat. I said to her, please beat that guy. Yeah. She says... That was my profound thing to say. Oh, okay, for... this is huge, guys. Yeah, okay. Hit, We're talking a lot about courts, right? A lot about courts today, Donald Trump, all that. A new ruling has come down from the most important judge in America, Judge Judy. Oh, no. <laughs> Has endorsed Nikki Haley. Wow, that uh, that changes the entire. Changer. That changes the entire political landscape in America. Judge Judy yeah. has endorsed. She is Justin, the future. Justin, it is equally Justin, important. Actually. No, and equally important for mm. people of a certain age. Miss Cleo has mm. been released from federal prison and has held a séance, and she has determined that Judge Wapner from the beyond has also endorsed Nikki Haley. Congratulations yeah. to everyone. All right, I've got one for you. You know, 
I was going to lay on you all of the insane stuff from Donald Trump from over the weekend. I was going to lay on you him calling the January 6th insurrectionist mm. hostages. I was going to lay on you his interesting historical perspective that the Civil War could have been negotiated, but Lincoln chose not to because he would have been less famous. Mm. I was going to lay on you, Alicia, his contention that magnets don't work underwater. That's which my is favorite a surprise one. Rise to mm -hmm. the magnetic mine crowd in the military. I was going to do all of that, and then I was going to do my favorite Tony Kornheiser-inspired joke, defend your boy. But I decided that January 6th, and you, you just heard I have very strong feelings on this, I decided this was all a little too serious for that gag. So I was going to spare you, not to mention the fact that, Alicia, I like you way too much to have you have to defend Donald Trump. On the other hand, hmm. I also enjoy you having to defend the hijinks of other Republicans too much to lay off of the following. And so here it is. And I'm not, I, I don't want to go too deeply into this because we're going to cover it in depth on a show coming later this week with an actual in-state political expert. So people should tune into that. I don't want to, I don't want to step on it too much. Let me introduce our listeners to Christina Caramo. She is the Republican chairwoman for the Michigan Republican Party. She is interesting. She has claimed in the past that Beyonce was secretly recruiting Black Americans to paganism through her new album. She no, that's claimed not true. That she claimed <laughs> that demonic possession is real, and it's transferred via quote intimate relationships. Wait, wait, wait! I need to clarify this. So you can get possessed. Yeah. yeah. And if you have nookie with someone that person gets possessed yes. so demonic, demonic possession, possession is, an STD? is a sexually transmitted <laughs> infection that i, I don't want to i don't want to hear you equating demonic possession with paganism they're two very different yeah. things. i'm not equating those things uh, i'm just ahead. saying that okay. they both exist in the mind of this individual at mm. the same time mm. they're like two different murder hornets mm. buzzing around inside her brain which could be a literal thing she she believes wait hold on i've got more she said the leader's of the Black Lives Matter movement are Marxist witches. I agree with half of that. Oh, and here's my favorite. Oh, abortion is pagan child sacrifice, but here we go. The theory of evolution is one of the biggest scams ran on us in history. Okay, so I wish that were the end of the story, but it's not. In a mm -hmm. delightful fit of, um, the Michigan Republican Party has had a schism. They have decided, some of them, that they want to oust her. Now, it's not For because of, the, of her beliefs. It's because she hasn't raised enough money, which may also tie to her beliefs. And so they convened a meeting and they ousted her. Except, I know this will shock you, Alicia, she will not accept the results of the election. And there is now a big legal fight brewing over whether these election results were legitimate. Now, I warned you, Alicia, and I promised you, I was not going to hit you with the joke, defend your girl. I, I just, I like you too much to do that. So I will pose the question this way. Christina Caramo, great Republican leader or the greatest Republican leader? You have to figure out by great, what do we mean? Great as in fantastic? Great as in large on the stage? And I could argue, depending on our definition of great. 
Can I give you my definition? Sure. The paragon of everything that the Republican Party stands for today. Not the Republican Party of your carefree youth, hmm. but the Republican Party of today. Is she the apotheosis of Republicanism hmm. in 2024? Here come the Harvard words. You know what her mistake was politically and strategically? We all know this. We've all been in campaigns. Opening your mouth. You opening your mouth. You have to, you know, know who your base is and know who your voters are and not divide them too much. She has insulted those possessed demonically. She has insulted witches. She's insulted pagans. And by doing so, she has divided her support base so much that there's just not enough left over to keep her in office. And that was her strategic political mistake. She made too many demographic groups her enemy i i i love that analysis mm -hmm. i love it especially because you're being tongue-in-cheek <laughs> have you noticed that vivek ramaswamy seems to think that you're right about that no because he's insane what has wow full conspiracy theory full nut job and full he seems to think that his failing in the polls his anemic showing upcoming in the iowa caucuses is due to his inability to court insane conspiracy theorists hard enough. He, in, in just the last few weeks, in a CNN town hall, he said that the, the, the January 6th was an inside job perpetrated by the FBI. And he said that the kidnapping plot against Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer was instigated by the government. So yeah. Well, he's trying to reach a certain segment of the Republican base. The and majority he, of them. That's right. And he may be doing a pretty good job because, as you talked about earlier, at least a third of Republicans, the party to which our annihilator, Alicia Preston, claims fealty and allegiance, at least a third of them believe that the FBI instigated January 6th. So, Al so Alicia's looking uh, down at her phone right now for, 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 for people who are listening on audio. I think she's Googling, how do I switch parties? Come on. Actually, <laughs> I'm on Twitter on Vivek Ramaswamy's page <laughs> because he's been saying so many crazy things lately. I was going to look for a fun one. Oh, <laughs> there's just, there's too many. Hey, in all seriousness about Nikki, Alicia, what do you make I mean, you, like we've kind of talked about before on this show, you're real plugged in. And I, I know that the plural of anecdote is data here. There are dueling polls out this morning. Uh, the Boston Globe finds that Nikki Haley's surge has, has sort of halted in New Hampshire, that she's still 20 points down. CNN disagrees and finds in their poll that Nikki Haley's support has risen 12 percentage points and she's only down by single digits in New Hampshire. You were hanging out with our unsure of the cause of the Civil War gal last week. What do you make of it? Like, what's the sense you're getting? Is the momentum still going or is it halted? And, and there's also a UNH poll that has Trump at 39 and Haley at um, 32. Uh, you know, I think the momentum is Look, there. We, we know Andy Smith. We, we love Andy Smith who runs the UNH poll. Do we believe UNH polling? Sorry, Andy. I think you can look at trends. I, I you know, okay. I have been critical of polls, as you guys know, for six months. I, I've said they're not real. This, there's no way this trend toward 52% Republicans support Donald Trump. Certainly not a trend of 52% of people who will vote in Republican primaries support Donald Trump. I've been critical of them all along. What I find interesting about these polls is exactly what I was critical of before, and that was 
I said, who is participating in these polls? The people that want to scream from the mountaintops that they support Donald Trump are participating in these polls. And you've got very few others. And I think that's why there was such a big disparity between what I think is real when it comes to Donald Trump's support and what the numbers reflect in the polls. So what you see now is a trend. And that trend is, in any of these polls, she's up. People are participating who are not just the Trump people. And what does that mean? Does that mean energy? Does that mean excitement? Does that mean they'll actually go to the polls? Because my biggest concern is all this talk of Trump's a foregone conclusion. It's a fait accompli. Others may stay home. So what I think this does is it helps drive people out who don't want to support Donald Trump but didn't think their vote would matter to say, oh, wait. Other people are participating. Other people are talking. Maybe there is an alternative. So I don't think it's a direct, here's a poll. Here's what I think the vote's going to be. I think it's a trend to watch. It's you, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's inter that's interesting because that speaks to a whole other purpose for polls, no matter what they say, no matter whether they're right or wrong. They're simply, as we, I think, can admit, a political tool to drive media reports. And, and that's, a, that's interesting. I mean, that's another good use of polls. Just it's pure politics. It doesn't really count about opinions. No, I mean, I look, there's a reason that media organizations do these polls, right? It gives content to talk about. You know, I think that there is a, a point to that. I mean, Paul, you know, you have, you were the national co-chairman for Barack Obama. You and I ran around in, in 2008, thick in the middle of that campaign. We were, you know, we had our a good sense of where the, the polls were, what they were telling us. And you've, of course, been subject to a lot of this kind of like close to the election polling yourself. Do you have any sense of what you're seeing in this melange of polls? I think there's no doubt that at root, something's going on with Nikki Haley. I think her momentum is not dead. I think that people, that there are, a, there is a cadre of republicanism in New Hampshire, for example, and among independents that recognizes that Trump is toxic, uh, looking for an alternative. And we may be surprised. You know, think back to the Obama presidential in 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 2000 and when all signs a day or so before the primary pointed to Obama winning. There was a huge amount of confidence in the Obama camp. And then sometime within the 24 hours before the primary election, something happened. And it made everybody say, maybe the polls weren't accurate. Who knows? You know, so the electorate is volatile. And then the question is, how volatile is the Republican electorate? in New Hampshire? How volatile is it? How susceptible to rational thinking are they? Personally, from my standpoint, I'm scared of Nikki Haley as a Democrat because I think she presents better. She presents as less insane than Donald Trump. I'm not saying perfectly, you know, I'm not endorsing her in any that way. that endorsement? No, it's not an endorsement. She's less. Yeah, I mean, if you want to cite Paul Hodes, progressive Democrat, says no. Nikki Haley is no. less insane than Donald Trump, please feel free. But what I'm saying is when it comes down to a general election, I'm probably more afraid of Nikki Haley as a Republican candidate than I am of Donald Trump. And if Republicans catch on to that kind of perverse reasoning, Trump could find himself, at least in New Hampshire, on... I don't know, a clo much closer ground with Nikki Haley than he's going to be comfortable with. 
I just want to close out on, and this doesn't translate as well to audio, but Mike Luckovich, the longstanding political cartoonist, put out an absolute gem this past week. It shows Nikki Haley on Wheel of Fortune. The clue is what the Civil War was fought over, and it's blank A, blank E-R-Y, and she says, drapery. Yawn. Drapery? Come on. Because of the whole drape thing at the end. Slavery. Slavery is the answer. We know what the the answer is, but yeah, that's... But she doesn't, which is the fun part. All right, we've got to wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned. Coming up in the feed for that discussion of more, if you like your Christina Caramo discussion, boy, we've got some great stuff coming up for you. And we will see you all next week. 